You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to The Authenticity Show if you haven't already done so, and connect with us on social media. That means like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and check out our YouTube page. This episode is part two in our series on cognitive strategies. The first one was about nootropics, and this one is about physical and mental hacks that you can use to stay sharp and focused for longer periods of time. Good morning, Satch. Good morning, Carlos. I noticed you wished me a good morning rather than a good evening, which you normally do. So I was just going to say that. I help the listeners understand what is going on. Yeah, well, uh, for those who are not seeing the video but only listening to the audio of this, uh, we are sitting in Oliver's new pavilion, which uh, is quite nice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous out here. We got some morning sunshine, and uh, we might we might actually be picking up other sounds. Yeah. This is the first time we're recording out here. Um, Oliver has chickens. Yes, we're not torturing little children. Yeah, it, it does sound like, <laughs> like children in the background. So we'll see how the chickens behave. Um, but, you know, this is an authentic show, and we're in a real live environment, and who knows what we might hear and what we might pick up. But, That's um, true. But who knows what we might end up revealing and talking about in this episode. You never know. You know, Carlos, uh, our last episode was about um, strategies to enhance cognitive abilities, the ability to think better, um, you know, to pay attention better, things like that. And um, we really got into nootropics in that episode. And this is we kind did. of a part two of that. And we only scratch the surface on nootropics, just saying there's so much more that could be said. Yeah. Yeah. And we probably will get into more nootropic stuff later on, you mm-hmm. know, kind of more advanced things. Um, so if the last episode on cognitive enhancement was about things that you can ingest, This one is going to be about more body-based strategies that don't involve things that you put in your mouth or in your Mm -hmm. body, but things that you do with the body or maybe even the mind. Yeah. So um, uh, this is one of those things that I think uh, anybody who's gone to school for a really long time, you know, or worked in a profession that is very demanding, you know, on on the brain... um, these are the types of strategies that help those people make it. You know what I mean? These are the strategies that have helped me make it. And I've mm-hmm. picked them up over the years. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've picked up a lot over the years. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's let's share our, our hacks. Sounds great. All right. All right. So you ever noticed that you might be sitting in a room and the room has become monotonous? Maybe you're in a teaching situation where somebody's lecturing or maybe you're just reading a book in your living room and all of a sudden the refrigerator shuts off and it's a deafening silence. Yes. And you realize that that sound from that refrigerator was taking up space, not only in the environment, but also in your brain. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how a sound can shut off and it can really enhance your ability to suddenly become aware of the room, to become aware of your body to become more aware of what you're doing, right? And there's more alertness that goes along with that. And the flip side of that is that in the example of um, suddenly hearing or noticing that there's a little whining pitch to the TV that was on, you ever had that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or the whir of the fan in the computer that you hadn't noticed until right 
now. Right at that moment, it you was know? there the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a there's a there's a feeling of relief uh, that's that's in the body. Um, I think a lot of people have related this to me as well. Um, when they finally get it off, they do this thing. They go, "Ugh!" Exactly. It comes right? with a sigh. Exactly. And they go, "Ugh!" Like, "Wow!" Uh huh. Oh, definitely. Like they finally pulled a, you know, a splinter out or something. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I've noticed the same thing if I realized that my jaw was tight or my shoulders were tense. Yeah. And I went, "Oh my gosh, that part of my body was tense. Why am I holding on to that?" Right. And I let go. And what do I do? Oh, what a relief. Whether it's physical or mental, there's there's some kind of version of a sigh yes. you know, that happens. Um, so you know what's going on from like, like a neuro perspective is in everybody's brainstem, right? That, that spot where your spinal cord connects to your brain. You know, like if your brain was stuck on a spike, mm-hmm. that spike is Ouch. the brainstem. I know, I know. That um, sounds like a real headache. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're... If you're um, brain is sitting on top of your spinal cord, that thickened transition between the spinal cord and the brain is the brain stem. And it's a very, very old, very ancient part of the nervous system. And it's a part of the nervous system that we share with uh, creatures that are, that are down there on the chain, evolutionary wise, you know, lizards and frogs and newts and stuff like that. There is this structure inside this brain stem called the reticular formation or the reticular activating system, the RAS, reticular activating system. The word reticular, by the way, is just Latin for net. Like if you were to cast out a fishing net, you know, a fishing reticulum or something like that, right? (laughs) So it's a structure in the brain that has the job of constantly paying attention to the environment. It's always listening. It's like the microphone on your phone with Google. It's like the NSA. Yeah, it's always listening, okay? And its job is to alert the rest of the nervous system that there is a change in the environment, whether that's something that was added to the environment or something that was taken away from the environment or just anything like that. When suddenly there is a change in the environment, the reticular formation fires and it increases our alertness Mm. it makes us suddenly aware. Why am I talking about the reticular formation? Because we can use it to our advantage on purpose. And one way of enhancing cognitive abilities, a a strategy for paying attention better, for conjuring up more brain power, is to purposefully give the reticular formation something to fire about. And in occupational therapy practice, we do this a lot with um, kids with attention deficit disorder or, you know, various you know, uh, situations where we want these kids to be able to pay attention better. And you can do it by providing sensory input to any of the sensory systems in the body. What could make your nervous system pay more attention more than something like falling over, right? We've all had that feeling where we're starting to fall asleep or nodding off. And yeah, and your body sort of... Your reticular formation goes, wait a minute, there's a serious change going on in the environment that involves your body and you could get hurt. So it fires you awake. So it's like a Star Trek episode where they need to reroute the power from the uh, warp drive into the forward shields or something. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, So suppose you're studying, you're reading, you're having to pay attention to a webinar, something like that, and you're getting sleepy. Here's what you do. 
choose a sitting surface that will force you to have to keep your balance. Like a Swiss ball. A, a ball. Physio yeah, yeah. ball. Yeah, exactly. Some kind of big like therapy ball, mm-hmm. exercise ball. Um, uh, in occupational therapy, we use something called a tea stool, which is like this, um, uh, imagine a, a wooden tea that's just high enough to sit on like a little stool, right? So when you put your butt on it, you're balancing on, on a peg. Ah, yeah. And so by keeping your balance, you're engaging your core, right? And that will keep your reticular formation constantly firing to help you pay attention. And you can pay attention for literally hours when you sit on something like that. So something as simple as changing your seated surface can give you hours of paying attention. Gosh, I'm, I'm wanting to purchase one of those. It's called a tea stool. It's called a tea stool. Love yeah, it. yeah. Or, you know, like you said, uh, uh, like an exercise ball. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's a great, great thing to sit on. You know, um, it makes a big difference. This is interesting, interesting because um, <clears throat> when we did our Vipassana, of course, you know, you're seeking that perfectly balanced, symmetrical, um, poised position to hold yourself in. Yes. You're completely in that meditative posture. Yeah. Yeah. And even within that, there are just ever so subtle shifts of pressure where you may feel one sits bone more than the other or, mm-hmm. or something, or you know, there's sensations that... that may need adjusting, you know, the, the, the placement of your palms or whatever. Um, little shifts in the way you hold your shoulder blades and yeah. you know, the tilt of your chin and, and, and various things. The, mm-hmm. that, that Finding that poised, balanced position that isn't stiff yeah. but has a certain um, natural buoyancy to it, a natural um, lift, a natural fullness yeah. so that you yeah. can maintain being in a position for an hour right. or more. Yeah, it's hard um, to do. It's hard to do. Yeah, yeah it really is. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But, I, but I, I sense all those things you're talking about, even mm-hmm. within that isolated situation, because you're really, really focused on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I know, in, in uh, as you know, I take these really long, long seminars, you know, yeah. and, and uh, it's very common for me to get up, get to the back of the room, stand at the back of the room when I start getting tired, especially after lunch. You come back, your blood sugar is doing what it's doing. The blood is also down in your tummy. Mm -hmm. You're trying to pay attention. And so sometimes I'll, you know, get up in the back and and stand and do some stretching while I'm listening to the the person lecturing and teaching. Yeah. Or I'll even, you know, get on the ground and go in a V stretch and and, and start to kind of um, get my body ready to take the rest of the day, however many hours are left. And it does help me focus. Helps me to stay in a place where I'm not missing vital information. Oh yeah. Or if you're lucky enough to be in a chair that has armrests, just to do an, an armchair push up, mm. you know, and just bear some weight, you know, through your upper extremities and kind of put some traction on the spine. All of that is firing all kinds of sensations into the body and, and, you know, going through that reticular formation and waking up the brain, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, in a couple of the workshops that I've been to, um, they did something called brain gym exercise. Have you ever heard of those? Um, yeah, I think I, I think I have. But I don't know a whole did, lot do about it? it, but but uh, the theory behind it is that it you know activates um, uh, neuronal connections through physical balancing and crossing over crossing over of the midline to encourage um, better flow of information back and mm. forth. And so they they 
have stated that that by doing this every so often throughout your day, um, it increases your readiness to learn and, and receptivity mm. and the, mm. the smooth functioning of your brain. Um, and so a couple of my teachers, um, Jonathan Altfeld and James Sicalos, um, we would take breaks every so often to do, you know, various kinds of, yeah, you know, exercises. It, it can be as simple as, you know, drawing a square on one side of your body and okay. then drawing a circle with the other side of the body, then switching. Yeah. And then yeah. Re reversing the direction of those movements. Right, right, right. That's or, great. you know, love it. having yeah. your arms out at arm's length to the sides and then looking forward and then, you know, mm -hmm. uh, either slowly touching the nose or touching the fingertips together. Yeah, like try not to. Without looking at it. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know? And then yeah. doing it with your eyes closed. Uh-huh, yeah. And then, you know, oh, oh, oh. Um, another good oh, one is, uh, you know, touching the reverse heel, so your left hand would touch your right heel behind your back. Okay. And then right hand would touch your left heel behind your back, and you just do this back and forth. Right, right, right. Uh, there's a whole variety of them. There's one where, yeah. you know, you're drawing, uh, James taught me this one where you, you, you draw um, a circle with one arm going down towards your belly from your chest, uh -huh. and the other one is a circle coming up above your head and down to your chest. Right. And then you, 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 you make them go into figure eights. So then oh. one arm, and then you have the other hand doing the other. So you're basically doing got it. figure eights. Yeah, and it takes you a minute to kind of get that. Yeah, out. and once once you got this smooth action happening, um, it tickles a little bit. I mean, you kind of feel like like uh -huh. something shifted, and oh, you do feel yeah. more more alert, but relaxed. Uh -huh. Definitely. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff like that. Definitely. Oh, I love yeah. those kinds of. Strategies. I wish I knew all of them. They're you know it's yeah. probably something yeah. I'll I'll get into later. You know. Definitely. Well, but, you know, developmentally. You know, children have to learn how to cross the midline. It's like we're not born with this ability to take our right hand and reach across to the left. Mm. You know, we, we have to learn how to do that. It's like it, it, I think of it as like the midline of your body is like the transition between um, going underwater and out of water. Hmm. It's like the right side of the body needs to learn how to plunge into the depths of the left, you mm. know, <laughs> and vice versa. It's, it's, it's a skill that you know, even, even children take for granted, but it's a skill that we had to learn at one point. So I love hearing these, these, um, exercises because they, they do that. They, they, they challenge the nervous system to do that. And in fact, that's one of the things that goes away with certain neurological conditions, you know, like, um, um, for example, when people have had strokes, um, they neglect one side of the body, you know, it's like they lose one side of the world or they lose the ability to twist the trunk. People with Parkinson's disease tend to um, develop this rigidity in their frame where their whole body turns to the left, their whole body turns to the right. We, and then what we do in therapy is we try to break that up. We try to get the upper body turning right while the lower body's turning left or trying to break up that rigidity because it's, it's a physical manifestation that is representing lost abilities in the nervous system, you know, wow. which could affect thinking too. So it makes sense that those exercises would do that, you know. It's neat how uh, when I see you demonstrating it, it um, I mean, you could you could easily pretend. I mean, as an actor, because you, you've you've acted a lot, but also uh, as an occupational therapist, you could easily imitate these things, and it would be pretty I, convincing. It would be fun. I would actually savor getting roles like that. That that would be, yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Do. was first learning about this idea of sensory integration theory and using the reticular formation, um, I immediately had memories of 
our qigong practice the things that you and i have been doing for years yeah um you know these these um you know tai chi kung fu you know warm-up exercises and they were doing that for me the whole time before i ever knew about this i was doing qigong practice in between study breaks and and uh, at work breaks and enhancing my ability to perform so have you noticed that qigong practice gives you cognitive abilities 100 percent, yeah um I have a sense of calm, focused, um, you know, when I say calm, it's like my body feels relaxed and warm, um, but there's a, I don't know, we call it a balanced feeling. Yeah. And I do feel like I can pay attention better. Yeah. You know, just yeah. doing a little bit of standing qigong, some arm swings, some deep breathing, a couple of postures um, can be enough easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, to, to really connect me and, and it lasts for a while I mean depending on how exhausted I am right mm -hmm. um, the more exhausted I am the the shorter the time range that it lasts yeah I'll have to do more yeah um, you, can, you have to go charge your battery again yeah, yeah 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 and so there's kind of diminishing returns if you're not sleeping but but it can help mm -hmm. I mean even just like something as easy as just gently leaning over and touching the toes and working on relaxing, releasing from the base of the spine all the way up to the top of the neck, loosening the shoulders, uh, surrendering the, the, the muscles and the backs of the hamstrings, yeah, uh, yeah. loosening the glutes a little bit as, as I'm kind of rolling forward and then slowly arching up and feeling those connections as yeah. I kind of, um, you know, like a, like a pulley system pulling from the lower uh, uh, lumbar region all the way up yeah. into my oh, cervical. Yeah. Love it. Um, and then just sitting still for a moment and allowing the blood to shift. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff can be really, really helpful, if I'm, even if you're tired. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. get, get, get a flush of blood into your brain. You get a little bit of lengthening in the nerves, like the, like, uh, the nerves themselves get a little bit stretched yeah. gently. So it kind of yeah. pulls the kinks out of any kind of muscular uh -huh. tension. Um, your bones get back in alignment. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's gosh, great. I love it. You're like... This is like verbal romance for me. Just hearing you explain all the stuff, yeah. like my body wants to do that. In fact, I just do, I do want to point out that just as we started having this conversation, uh, our very own Oliver decided to go over and do some stretching and some Surya Namaskar, you totally. know, some uh, some yoga, and uh, good inspiring stuff. You know, they say that even watching somebody else do qigong or tai chi practice or yoga still because of the mirror neurons in the brain, yeah, still affects the person watching. So like, even though I can't do yoga right now, I can look at Oliver and see him doing it, and I'm getting some of the benefit. There's a famous story about that. Would you please tell that story? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for those who are knowledgeable about Tai Chi Chuan, the martial art, um, they may have heard that there's a style called Yang style. There are, there are several styles, but mm -hmm. Yang style is like the, one of the most popular Forms and there's a couple of different forms of yang, but the large frame yang form, the one that most people know and think about when they think of yang form, was um, pieced together and created that form um, by a man named Yang Chengfu. Yang Chengfu was the younger son of, of um, Yang Lu Chan, who who made Taiji famous, okay, by right, bringing right. it to the Forbidden City, and so anyway. The large frame yang, just like it sounds, has very large movements. And uh, Yang Chengfu um, was a very big man. Yeah, he was a husky boy, wasn't he? He was. He ate a lot. And he was big. Mm -hmm. Northern Chinese, you know, mm -hmm. big boned. 
Uh, and so the postures in the large frame yang are easier to do because they're bigger, there's less uh, compression going on in the joints, there's, there's less flexibility needed for it. Um, but it's a good all-around exercise, mm. you know. Um, as we know from studying from Tony, there's the small movements that are really what make it special. Yeah. But the larger movements are good for your circulation, your general alignment and things like that. And so you can still learn a lot from it. Mm. Anyway, um, when he was younger, um, another very famous teacher named uh, Zheng Manqing, yes, who's the master of the five excellences in Robert W. Smith's book, Chinese Boxing, Masters and Methods. And he came to New York after a while. He's a skinny guy, a long white beard. You know, he did calligraphy and sword work, and he had a lot of American students eventually. But uh, Zhang Menqing was very ill. I think he had tuberculosis and a whole lot of other problems, but he was bedridden. Mm. And somehow, I don't know how the trail happened, but somehow the trail led to Yang Chengfu coming to teach him. But since he was in a bed and couldn't do anything, Yang Chengfu did nothing but Qigong and Tai Chi in a small space. So granted, he was probably not doing the large frame Yang. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he was doing a smaller version. But even though it is said that Yang Chengfu was the least of his brothers in skill, because mm. he didn't really want to do Tai Chi, he didn't like it, he wanted to escape and hang out with the, the, the prostitutes and do opium <laughs> yeah, all yeah. day. Yeah, he was, he, was, um, he, was the, he was the bad boy. He was the bad boy who resisted his family tradition. But n nevertheless, um, he gained quite a reputation because you know, he was forced to study and he became mm -hmm. pretty tough and he was mm -hmm. ornery. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a big guy. Uh -huh. So you combine all that together and, and there are very few people who could handle him. Yeah. So eventually he became famous as a teacher and um, he was paid to come teach Yang Ch uh, Zhang Menqing. Mm -hmm. And Yang Zhang Menqing could only be in the room and witness him doing this. And I remember as a kid reading about how um, he became healthy mm -hmm. By having his teacher do the form in his room, and he was absorbing the chi. Yeah, right. That was the idea, yeah. and so eventually he was able to sit up. Yeah, and then once he could sit up, he could do some of the upper body movements, and then eventually he got to where he could stand on his feet again, mm -hmm. and then eventually he was doing the form, and he was strong enough to be abused <laughs> and <laughs> smacked around by by his teacher because that that, yeah. that happened eventually too. Wow, but okay. uh, I'm not. Speaking to uh, character here, yeah. only the the idea that that when we watch something, we absorb it and totally. Man, yeah, I just love that story. I do too. That's thanks for telling that story yeah, because sure. I, you know, I it's a story I've heard, but I don't know it the way you know it. Yeah. And it's so cool to just hear all the names again and yeah, and 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 how it all came to pass. Well, um, you've seen those those experiments with um, the the split wall, the fake arm, and the real arm, real arm. Uh, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, go on. Uh -huh. And um, it's hilarious, actually, if you watch with a hidden camera. Okay. Um, because over and over and over again, there'll be a, people coming into this booth, and there's, there's this kind of um, real arm, and they're, they're, they're tickling their arm and then the other person's arm, mm -hmm. and then they're tickling this fake arm, okay. a mannequin arm that's made okay. of rubber or whatever. And suddenly, by surprise the person will whip out a hammer and smash the hand. Okay, yeah, yeah. And the person on the other end who's watching it, because of mirror neurons, <gasps> jumps back uh -huh. 
and 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 grabs their hand usually. Okay, they like, like they got hurt. They got hurt, and then it takes a couple seconds for the the, the sort of hallucination to wear off, uh-huh. and they realize, wait, nothing happened, <laughs> and then they <laughs> laugh great. in embarrassment at their own reaction uh-huh. because oh they God. become entranced and entrained neurologically to this. Yeah. You know, very hypnotic situation where they we get lulled into this idea that they're having oh the same gosh. thing. It's and it's so been cool. done over and over again. Wow, that's you know, beautiful. It, I love it. It's probably not that different from what you've talked about. You know, the the mirror boxes. Oh yeah, for mirror box with, therapy, you know, missing yeah. missing limbs and things like that. Definitely phantom yeah. limb pain and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Because it's happening in the brain. Uh huh. You know, so that's happening in the brain too. Yeah. yeah and when we watch so these great. jackass videos or these these uh, you know total fail videos where mm-hmm. you know the guy's trying to climb up on something and then they land with their legs apart on a hard pole or something like yeah. that and it smashes their nuts. Yes. And you just, even just thinking about you that, just, I leaned forward and squeezed yeah, me my too. thighs I just together. did it right now and I'm, I'm not even thinking of one. Yeah, you know? my thighs yeah. started coming together and it's, it's so yeah. funny how that works. Yeah, we learn from each other, yeah. from each other's experiences. We definitely do. Oh, it's great. It's great. <laughs> One of my favorite um, Qigong-inspired exercises is um, just padding the body. Mm, yeah. You know, we're, we're, um, for, for the people that, that are only listening to this and not seeing it, you know, you would start with taking one hand and just, just sort of firmly but, you know, somewhat gently smacking the, the dorsum of your hand, the back of your hand. You know, and working your way up from your hand, up to your elbow, up to your shoulder, and then go kind of, then open your arm up and then, you know, come down the, the underneath the inside of your arm all the way back down to your hand. You do that several times on both sides and, and, and hit your head, you know, smack your scalp and, you know, and then your face, um, and your, your trunk, your chest and do the same thing with your legs. And, you know, there are traditions where you say, go up the limb this way and go down the limb that way. But really at the end of the day. You just just kind of gently smack your body around. Yeah. <laughs> it works really, really well. It works really, really well. Um, you know, we've been doing that exercise since we were probably, I don't know, young teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I swear by it. Me too. Yeah. You know, even my mom, uh, she's so cute. She does that too. She does, and she loves it too. Like that feeling. Mm-hmm. She'll do that, kind of pat her body down, and, and then she just feels kind of warm and. You know, gets that circulation going, yeah. kind of wakes up the, you know, tendons and little microcirculation in, in, mm-hmm. in the body, and and I love it. Yeah, yeah, that me too. and shaking, like yeah, shivering. Shaking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, like a shimmy. Uh, a lot of the belly dancers, you know, they can do all this yeah. kind of fine motor control with their yeah. shaking. And yeah, I don't know how Shakira the, does it. I don't. No. <laughs> totally, yeah. Shakira. Um, but I do that, and I feel more alert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And better. I just feel looser and. Mm-hmm warmer you know it it, it not only does it affect your nervous system but it affects your immune system right Mm -hmm. because it gets all your lymphatics moving totally um and it kind of shakes your your organs you know Mm -hmm. isn't it good to shake your kidneys and your liver a little bit and help them help them filter what they need to filter Mm -hmm. you know it's it's good stuff so it's good for us all around um i also like um when you rub your hands together to create friction and get your hands hot Mm -hmm. and then vigorously rub the face and the scalp and the ears and the neck, you know, um, just, just, you know, um, 
rub the hands together. You know, we've all done this and you can feel the hands getting hot. And not only are you are you doing this, but you're exercising your upper extremity muscles. Mm-hmm. And then rub your face, you know, and just rub your face really, really well. You can maybe hear what I'm doing here. And, you know, do that a bunch of times and don't just do it a little bit. You know, do it a lot. Um, you know, I used to always follow the tradition of do it 36 times. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 36 times. Mm-hmm. And then do your scalp 36 times. Do your ears, you know maybe 18, right? Because it takes a long time on your ears, right? And um, and uh, doing these things um, doesn't just make a little bit of a difference. It makes a big difference in your entire experience of your body and your environment. Yeah, you know, so... Um, well, along those same lines, uh, palming your eyes. Oh, yes. I love that. Yes. Um, the same thing, where you warm the hands by rubbing them together. And then you you place the centers of your palms directly over your eyes, cupping it. And you Mm -hmm. focus on the heat from your hands going into the eyes, relaxing the muscles. Mm -hmm. And what I like to do, this helps particularly if you have a headache, is I picture as though I'm looking at the moon. Oh, this this is is an interesting hack for a headache. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... um, and what it takes is, is you got to really remember, what does it look like when you look at the moon? So anybody who's looked at the moon, mm-hmm. there's a certain, you know it's far away, so there's a certain thing that your eyes are doing. So yeah. for eye strain, uh-huh. once you palm the eyes, you need to make your eyes do what they would do if they were looking at something far away. Got it. And the image is the moon. The moon is silvery. It's a, it's a nice color of light. Yeah. It's just kind of relaxing and cooling. And so when you do that, it can it can sometimes create an instantaneous relief from a headache Hmm. it's powerful yeah and if it comes back you just do it again that is fantastic i love that yeah and of course it it does help that you're you know suggesting to yourself that this will work yeah that's important too but it's not just the suggestion it's also there's something going on with how it changes your focus and the warmth and and uh, and so you want to look at your palms with your eyes open at this point. So your mm-hmm. your palms are your your eyelids are closed when you're palming the eyes. But when you look into your palms with your your palms still covering your eyes, mm-hmm. you open the eyelids and you look. Okay, so you actually open your eyes. Yeah, and you just with all of your imagination imagine that you are looking at the moon far Got away. It. Got it. Okay. I love that. Yeah, so oh, it does great. something I don't know if it re- sort of resets the muscles or yeah. what it does, but it but it, I've noticed that when I have an eye strain headache it just goes right away. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to work with a with a uh, sinus headache, probably. Uh huh. It yeah. might, but yeah, it's sure, probably sure. you know for for eye strain headaches, things like that. Yeah. Um, very much okay. A help. You know, you just reminded me of a similar uh, eye based strategy that helps with uh, just like if you're if you're really groggy and tired in the morning, which is me on a lot of mornings, <laughs> um, or if you have jet lag. You know, something like that mm-hmm. is to. I think I picked this up years ago from uh, a Deepak Chopra book. Okay, mm-hmm. is you go out, you know, in broad daylight, close your eyes, and turn your face towards the sun, like you were looking at the sun, but with your eyes closed, mm-hmm. and just enjoy turning your head side to side with your eyes closed i've done that and yeah and just let the photons from the sun just pour through you so your, your yes. eyelids create a, a little safety screen and you can't do it for very long it still is yeah. pretty intense to the eyes and you just turn the head side to side and just let the light fill the back chambers of your eyes and just try to catch all the nooks and crannies it's really 
energizing. I was just going to say, it feels like you've had a little bit of an espresso shot. Like there's a certain, I don't know, I like to call it a spark. You know, there's a feeling of brightness that lasts after the sun is gone. So so the counter position, or sorry, the counter to that bright light is that you get that spot, like a dark spot. Yes. Right, in the eyes. Yeah. But what I'm finding is that um, outside of that, you know, temporary dark spot, that happens because of the reaction of the nerves in your eyes and cells in your eyes is there's a feeling of light actually imaginary or not there's a feeling of light inside my head yes after yeah. the fact after yeah yeah totally like a spark has been definitely ignited in some way yeah it's it's like it's like an explosion of fireworks in your system yeah you know um it's almost like i i think of it as like i'm drinking golden sunshine from a, a waterfall like yeah. a sunshine waterfall but you can't drink it from your mouth you have to drink it through your eyes mm-hmm. you know um i've always i've always loved that strategy um so that's that's a good way to wake up yeah it is um there's a tradition where you massage the um medulla oblongata area of you know the occiput okay. in the back of the neck okay. with your three fingers Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Circling three times one way, three times the other. I think this this might come from uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. Okay. Perhaps. Okay. Might be Kriya Yoga tradition. I don't know. The Paramahansa. I think I learned it originally from my mom. That particular thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this idea of doing that and then f- turning the back of your head to the sun, and oh. imagining that you're breathing in that light into the back of the head. I have not done that. Yeah. On an empty stomach. Interesting. That's kind of a yogic. I think I feel like I want to try that, but uh, my stomach isn't empty. So, okay, yeah. maybe maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow morning. That, that's great. Wow. Um, of course, you know, in a lot of the Taoist traditions, there's the um, uh, the moonlight or starlight, you know, the, the, the pole star mm-hmm. meditation where you merge the light from, you know, one of those celestial bodies with your uh, dew 20 or baihui point on top of the head. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just the top of your head. It's almost like that light is entering through the top of your head. And so like like your light and that light, it's, it's more of a cooling kind of an experience that would be appropriate for nighttime. And I love this one for daytime. Yeah, yeah it's okay. So, you know, Carlos, with all of your... Um, hypnosis and NLP training and martial arts and meditation and all of these different things that you've done. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm wondering if you have any, um, besides the things that I'm talking about and maybe you don't, maybe you do. Do you have any other strategies that are kind of a a different, a different angle for improving cognition? Definitely. Um, one is, uh, I always feel like getting rid of, limiting beliefs around oh yes your learning process your capacity to absorb information um your you know modifying your desire for the information okay you know we 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 tend to get good at the things we love we tend to have more energy to put into the activity so um as you're doing self-examination if you notice that there are things in the way um identify them Mm. You know, write them out, uh, say them out loud or whatever it is so that you know what they are. Yeah. And then once you know what they are, you can deconstruct them. Mm-hmm. And that can be very helpful. Okay. Yeah. So if you, if you have, um, well, this is something I haven't done that, that, that I could do, for example. Um, 
as you know, we've talked about this before. I don't feel that I'm very athletic. Right? Yes, that's, that's yes. I haven't um, spent the time to reconfigure my approach towards that because mm-hmm. I haven't had a strong motivation to do so. Yeah, and that is the thing: is if you have a strong motivation, that's helpful. It is. It yeah. is. I, I think. I think. You know. I. I get a. I get images and sensations of brain damage when I think of math, I know, and my I brain know. just doesn't want to do it. And it's like it's. That's a limiting belief. Though. It is. It's absolutely yeah. a limiting limiting belief. There's no question in my mind that we could be, um, you know, a hundred times better at math than we are. Yeah. If we wanted to, it's just like, what's on the priority list here for us? Um, yeah. But just to to speak about that, um, I was good at math when I was younger. Okay. I was always the competing with other kids to be like the top all the time. Oh. And then I hit a certain point in high school where I, I gave up. Interesting. Okay. And it was limiting beliefs okay. probably installed to, you know, due to emotions and things that were going on at the time. Mm. I had an extremely abusive teacher. Oh. And I was already dealing with that at home. Yeah. <laughs> so Got it. Um, so I think I just inside I decided my way of controlling this is to just go, I don't care. I'm done. Mm. Yeah. And so I shut it off. Okay. And as a result, that part of my brain has become uh, lax and uh, less functional because it's not being used. It's, it's become atrophied in a way. Stiff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, however, I know that I could wake it back up if I did, if I did this, as deal with my limiting beliefs, uh, get really, really clear and deconstruct them so that, so that I can start to reframe them and, and then begin to install... Um, positive beliefs after figuring out what would be the exact remedy to the to the um, negative beliefs. You know, mm. sine and cosine, right? So okay. You, you can look at a frequency and it went this up and down motion on, on the on the frequency scale. Yeah. You can you can sort of get the mirror image and it cancels out like noise canceling. Right. 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 So I always think of it that way. Okay. It's a metaphor. I like that. It's yeah, a metaphor. Yeah, like but that. Yeah. but when you have a negative thought, you think you know what is the equal and opposite thought here? You know mm-hmm. what is the thing that that would that would uh, make that not possible mm-hmm. um, and and I'll look at that and, I'll, and then I'll install that as a belief mm. so I've done this with others for learning purposes for study okay. purposes okay. Um, the other is to recognize um, that when you're learning uh, your brain is going to go through its cycles so um, sitting down for longer than 90 minutes to do one thing is asking your brain to do way too much you need mm-hmm. breaks yeah yeah 15 minutes or whatever it is take breaks yeah um, if you don't sleep well, it's going to affect your learning. So, so you still have to kind of consider the basics. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you have no brain fuel that day, um, and if you're not sleeping, then of course your learning capacity is going to go down. But having said that, if you're still studying, you still need to take a break. You know, 90 minutes mm-hmm. is, is the max yeah. before you take a break. Yeah. Um, you could take it earlier. Oh yeah. You know, depending sure, on sure. the person and the situation and the, the intensity level mm-hmm. of learning um, but how we control our breath uh, as we're learning matters so if you're noticing that you're breathing shallow you'll start getting sleepy yeah so deep slow breaths will keep you relaxed and alert if the inhalation and the exhalation are are pretty much equalized um, 
what happens is your nervous system goes into uh, synchronization. So you have parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems kind of um, balancing themselves out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as we know that parasympathetic is your kind of rest and recharge and regenerate and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And our sympathetic nervous system, as you know, is, is, is all about the uh, fight flight, you know, and all the, all the activity and yeah. actions and, yeah. you know, and so when you balance those breaths out, then another thing can happen. Um, this resonance between heart, mind, and head, mind mm -hmm. start to happen. So the so the body and the cerebral kind of consciousness start to become more uh, capable of of having a coherence of communication between the two of them. Yeah. And then what you're learning becomes um, potentially uh, a broader range. Yeah. So not everything that you're learning will be, you know, mathematical in nature, analytical in nature. Sometimes you might be learning things like cooking. Or you might be learning a martial art, or you might be learning um, maybe how to physically work on a computer, you know, mm -hmm. to changing components. And um, there's a mechanical element there. So there's lots of different things. Could be could be an art class. Yeah. But this kind of breathing um, opens up those capacities a little bit more. And and being rubbed on by a kitty cat that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> popcorn. Cat named Popcorn. Um, they're so cute. So those things are very, very helpful. Mm. Uh, also, when it comes to memory, like a lot of people will consider memory as um, the measure of learning. Yeah. Or can you remember the data? Right? Can you regurgitate what yeah. it is that you learned? Uh, so, so learning memory tricks, uh -huh. um, associative memory, mnemonics, um, drawing images, uh, State-dependent me memory, meaning, you know, what state was I in when I actually learned it, and can I recall that by being in the same state? Oh, that's later. Good. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. Pretty huge. Yeah. Um, that means that, you know, if you normally have a cup of coffee every single day, well, and especially while you're studying, and then you go in for your test and you forget to get your cup of coffee, you've just decreased your chances yes. of remembering the information. Yeah. If you tried to learn the information while you just had a terrible argument with your boyfriend or girlfriend or your mom or your dad or whoever, mm -hmm. um, the likelihood is that it's not going to go in. The information is going to um, not absorb in the way that it would if you were really paying attention. Yeah. And for that matter, really paying attention means convincing yourself that you're interested in it. If you keep saying to yourself, oh, my God, this is so fucking boring, and you're complaining about it externally or internally the whole time, unless you can kind of turn that to your advantage somehow by saying, wow, this is so boring that I'm going to remember it. Wow, I hate this so much. And what do I hate about it specifically is all these components about it that I hate so much. Yeah, yeah, you're practicing the wrong thing for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. that might be a way to reframe that. But more or less, it's always better to be like, wow, how can I use this? Yeah. Where would be a situation where I might be using this later? Mm -hmm. um, can I imagine myself having this conversation with someone, maybe describing it? Or what if I were tutoring someone in this very thing that I'm learning? How would I break this information down? So it, it causes you to restructure and go meta for a moment, mm -hmm. go beyond and outside the situation looking at it. And it gives you a, a, a second or a third angle to look at the information from. Mm. And the more times you do this and the more different angles you create in your perception, of the thing you're studying, mm -hmm. uh, the more uh, three-dimensional and holographic that information yeah, becomes. You yeah. get layers of of data rather than just one string. Mm -hmm. Yeah, know? I love that. I love that. You know, like I've, I've 
gone to continuing continuing education courses for years, mm. right? And mm. the longer you go to them, um, the harder it is to find one that's interesting because yeah. you've kind of seen it all, yeah. you know? And yet it's a terrible experience to be sitting in a webinar or a class that's going to be all day long, maybe all weekend long, mm -hmm. maybe all week long. Yeah. And to have that attitude of, oh, I already know this. I've already heard this a hundred times. I've heard that it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But instead, um, what I found is I, I do what you were describing, you know, and I'll, I'll play a little game like, okay, if a cat is waiting for a mouse, <laughs> I'm going to be like that cat waiting for just one little morsel of new data that I hadn't heard before. I'm like, and then, and then I'm alert because I'm waiting for it. Is this going to be it? You're on the hunt. Is this, yeah, is this going to be it? Is yeah. it coming? Is it coming? And it's like, like bingo, it took four hours, but <clears throat> I, I grasped something that I didn't know before. And I'm, boy, am I thankful to have that. You know? Yeah, that's great. Just the, the whole hunt for, for something that belongs to you. Yeah. You know, like, like owning the information. Totally. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I loved um, what you said about um, recreating the same or similar state of mind that you had when you were learning the material, when mm -hmm. you're being tested on the material or needing mm -hmm. to use it. Um, uh, something that reminded me of what, what you're describing, plus what we talked about earlier with using like um, essential oils and things like that, mm -hmm. is there was a study done, this was years and years ago that I, I read about this, so I'd, I've forgotten the particulars, but essentially it was using a particular oil to create a smell let's let's say it's peppermint because mm -hmm. it works well mm -hmm. and then every time you sit down to study that topic a little bit of peppermint every yeah. time just that topic yep. you know then when you go to take that exam a little peppermint before you go to class yeah and so now you have created this very unique experience that is clearly related to that one particular topic that one particular exam that you need to get ready for you yes. know and you could have different smells different flavors for different topics. Okay. That way you're helping to give your body a cue to get back into that state of mind. I love it. Yeah, a, a note on that. Um, since it's to do with um, obviously limbic system and things like that, but also yeah. anchoring. Oh, right? yes. Anchoring, so, yeah. so anchoring or triggering or building an association, however you want to put it. Um, just like Pavlov and okay. his, uh, you know, the dogs, right? Yeah. Um, there has to be consistency mm. to it, I at least in the formation stage. Um, uh, you, you, there has to be a certain level of, of uh, exactness to the way you do it, okay. uh, including um, making sure that you, uh, you start the process of the association uh, kind of as you're, you're getting towards the peak of the feeling that you're trying to create. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you know that you're going to do this and you're preparing to do it, then you would wait for just a moment to where you feel subjectively like you're in that state of, okay, oh, I, am, I am switched on right beautiful. now. I am excited about this. I am ready to learn. I believe in myself. I love this topic. I'm going to freaking kill this, this test. I'm going to nail it to the ground. I've got this. Where's my peppermint oil? And then you pull your, <laughs> at, at this point where before it fades, because you don't want to catch it on the downswing, you want to catch it on the upswing, right. you anchor that in with the smell. God, that and is you just such proceed. good advice. And then you re you have to repeat yeah. it. You have to repeat that a few times, mm -hmm. and and then uh, your brain will get it. And then the next time you do it, um, it will remind yeah. you of that. And Beautiful. you can always test it. I in fact, it. I encourage 
anyone who's doing this to test it. Uh, if you feel like you meet, you automatically feel that the association was built, then you've done it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then of course it can get stronger and stronger. And anytime you feel like you're starting to to get in the swing of things and you you step into flow and you're really really learning mm-hmm. um, at that pace, uh, you can anchor it even more. Oh, and I it love just gets it. Stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, you had mentioned um, creating balanced breathing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there are so many articles, so many videos about breathing mm-hmm. that it's real easy for, for people to kind of get um, desensitized to the topic a little too much. They get, yeah, they, they, they undervalue it. Yeah, it's kind of like when, when you're having a crisis and somebody says, okay, now stop and take some deep breaths and it just pisses you off. Yeah, you're like, you know? fuck <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah you're right. Look, like I don't know about deep breathing. Okay, yeah. right. Um, and I want to, I want to caution people from, from falling into that trap because mm-hmm. all the same things that created a culture of paying attention to your breathing that we have now, mm-hmm. that culture was once not there. It was only people with special knowledge that did that. Yep. And that special knowledge is now more common knowledge. So sometimes we need to take it a little, a little deeper and, and stop and slow down. Just like when I said a little while ago, like you could maybe a topic comes up that you've heard before. Mm-hmm. Well, let's keep listening with alertness to find that new thing in that topic. And you had mentioned something that I think would be new for a lot of people. And that's to go back to that idea of paying attention to your inhalations and exhalations and looking for some balance between those two. That's, that's a more subtle piece to that mm-hmm. that I think would be easy to, to miss. It's easy to miss and it's easy to practice. Yes, it is. Which is what I love about it. Uh, that's what's great. It's, because it's you can there. walk into any situation practicing that, and it's not complicated. Yeah. It's just complicated enough to keep your attention. Yes. Yeah. You know? um, and, and other, oh, oh, yeah. I was just going to say, um, I usually teach that as a precursor to subdividing that one more time into four pieces. Oh. So yeah. first, it's that. Actually, let me back up. The first is just simply exploring the breath and learning about how to pay attention to the breath, period. Yeah. You know, f- you know, sensing and, and exploring the feeling of the breath, deepening the breath, learning how to move different parts of the, the physiology, like the diaphragm and the expanding the, the lower parts of the lungs outward mm-hmm. and opening the chest and lengthening mm-hmm. the spine, all that stuff. That makes f- me want to do that right that's now. That's first. Yeah. But then once people understand that, really the step the first step is that that twofold breathing okay. method. Okay. And then I take that and say, okay, cool. You've got the inhalation and the exhalation. You've got a sense of how to how to make it even. You're already doing enormous benefit to your nervous system right now. You're putting yourself in a great place. Now let's deal with uh, something that takes a little bit more focus. Might be a precursor to meditation because it will it will really calm you down. Um, it can help you to break up stubborn anxiety patterns, you know, uh, and al- allow you some, some room to then do some cognitive strategies to, to, to shift your thinking and reframe. And that is you now focus on the spaces in between the breaths. Mm-hmm. So there's a place where you naturally finish your inhalation and there's a moment where you could inhale again or you could pause for a moment. That's the piece I'm talking about. And the same thing when you exhale completely and empty your lungs, there is a moment where you could inhale 
or you could pause for a moment and just mm-hmm. notice that space. Yeah. And what I tell people is this isn't about forcing those spaces to become longer. It's about relaxing and noticing that you can allow them to expand. And what happens is they just naturally get longer. The distance and the space between your inhalation and your exhalation, your exhalation and your inhalation, will naturally become longer. So the space will become bigger. So they they often call this uh, box breathing. Yeah. And you can visualize a box in your mind. Mm -hmm. As the, the left side of the box, as you're drawing the upward angle, that's your inhalation. The line that goes across the top, like the roof, is your hold. Your pause. Yeah, your okay, pause. Got it. And then downward on the right-hand side is the exhalation. And then the bottom floor of the box is your hold in between inhaling again. Mm. And it's it's nice to have a little bit of a visual like that because now you've, you've begun to incorporate some uh, visualization in that. It, it gives you a focus mm-hmm. um, all under the frame of this is going to relax you, calm you, focus you destroy mm-hmm. your anxiety, put you in a good place. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's an easy great. thing to do. It's not complicated. And if you do that and you accidentally find yourself not thinking anymore and there's uh, periods of time that go by where you realize that you were doing nothing, I'm sorry, but you've been meditating. Yeah. Isn't that great? <laughs> so sorry to, to, to inform you. but Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's accidental meditation you know, yeah. that you kind yeah. of fall into because you just get absorbed in what you're doing fully. Uh That's great. It's nice. Great. Um, Fall into the moment. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of people, and I'm one of them, I think you probably are too. um, When there's some practice that you've been doing for years and you have some experience with it and know that it works. And then later on, you learn that there's some deeper understanding of science behind it. It Mm -hmm. helps it blossom even more. Yeah. You know, and um, so here's one that goes along with breathing because we're, we're having this great conversation about breathing is every time we inhale, and this is something that I think, you know, there are plenty of people that know this, but the general population doesn't recognize this. You'd mentioned the uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems is every inhalation is a discharge of sympathetic nervous system activity. Every time we inhale, our sympathetic nervous system fires. Every time we exhale, our parasympathetic nervous system fires. Every single breath throughout the day is sympathetic, parasympathetic, sympathetic, parasympathetic, and it keeps happening. You had talked about balancing breath or finding the balance within inhalations and exhalations because you are literally creating balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic activity. If your inhalation is excessive, you're experiencing excessive sympathetic nervous system activity. If your exhalations are long, you're getting more parasympathetic activity in your nervous system. As a general rule, people will recommend that you want to go ahead and lengthen your exhalations because we want to experience that more parasympathetic you know, nervous system. Um, I think I think it's not that we always want to be in that state. I, th- I like the idea of more balance, mm. but understanding that by exhaling longer, we can facilitate more parasympathetic or rest and digest type of thing. By, if we need to wake up a little bit too, go ahead and increase your inhalations. Like what do you do before you jump in a cold lake? 
okay, okay, here we go. We get ourselves ready, mm -hmm. right? We're, we're firing up our sympathetic nervous system to get ready to handle this thing that we need it for, right? And it's really empowering to recognize that just those simple acts of focusing on inhalation versus exhalation or creating balance between the two is right there at our fingertips anytime we want it. That's so cool. I did, as you know, uh, the Wim Hof training down in yeah, San you Diego. Did. Yeah. Uh, and I took a freezing cold shower this morning, in fact. Boy, it was cold. Okay. The yeah, water was, was particularly cold. I today. woke up cold this morning. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, besides the benefits of that, because that does wake you up and it does make you more alert, mm -hmm. it's a cognitive strategy for sure. Yeah. But, you know, it, wakes up mitochondrial actions in the cells and there's all sorts of good things that it does mm -hmm. for you alkalizes you temporarily uh, more um, but you become warmer i think it encourages more circulation and whenever you have that you get better cognition mm -hmm. yeah better circulation it helps yeah. oh definitely um it is there's kind of like an association but yeah. um the breathing work the breath work the breath training that comes along with the wim hof uh, uh, trainings is very interesting. Mm. It's a lot of uh, deep, very rapidly taken breaths, mostly uh, focusing on the inhale. Okay. And you do this, you know, like four rounds of 10, and then you, as you exhale, you allow the accumulated oxygen in your blood to do the the respirating for you so you don't you don't actually go in and out you just kind of allow those oxygen molecules that are that are freely floating in your bloodstream to nourish you and so you, okay, you so have to train yourself to relax and you kind of hold yourself in this um state of not inhaling not exhaling just staying there okay and then that can go on for a minute and a half where you're not breathing in mm. you're just resting there and then at some point you uh, we'll take another deep breath. And when that happens, uh, you hold that for 30 to 40 seconds. And then you allow your breathing to go back to normal. You let your heart rate go back to normal. Mm -hmm. So you wait a couple of minutes and then you do it again. You do like three rounds of that. And that is the program that they have for the basic breath work. Okay. Um, and it does all sorts of things to your chemistry according to the Navy SEAL guy who, mm -hmm. who trained me to do it. Okay. Um, he was a Wim Hof instructor. Yeah. And uh, um, one of those things is that it, it releases um, various cortisols and adrenaline, forms of adrenaline, that are good to release on the temporary level. Okay. Like they, they say there's a range that's normal and there's a range that's unhealthy. And then there's a range that's really good short-term, just not long-term. Sure. It's healthy to do it short-term because of the changes it causes your body to do. Much okay. like you can't be doing push-ups all day long yeah. without destroying yourself. It would hurt. Right. It would damage you. Yeah. But the right amount causes you to become stronger. That's great. So that's an interesting kind of uh, thing I learned about the breath is that, mm. you know, some types of breaths are naturally, they require a little more instruction and care because they can, they could be a little bit, um, unhealthy for you if you did them wrong or you did them too much. Yeah. And this is why advanced breathing practices, yogic pranayama and various kinds of advanced breathing practices require instruction, not just reading a book because certain breaths may or may not be for you. Mm -hmm. um, even Wim Hof I think is amazing. It's not for everyone that those types of breathing, 
in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but it's great, and I, and I find great ben- benefit to it. I also have had many, many years of, of doing breath, ex- breath, breath exercises, and so I have more of a sense of when I should stop than maybe another person. Sure. They might keep pushing through it, and then they, they're finding that there's an issue. They pass out or something yeah. happens, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is that the, the box breathing and the, the, the two-fold breathing mm-hmm. and any kind of deep breathing, mindfulness, all those things are more or less universal. Anyone can do those things yeah. um, who is a normally functioning adult. Right, right. Uh, it doesn't require that someone have any particular constitutional type or, yeah. you know, whereas some breaths, um, like the breath of fire, that you do in pranayama, you know that one, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, something yeah. anyone could look up. Uh-huh. It's not for everyone, and you certainly shouldn't do it all the time. And some constitutional types who have a lot of excess heat, mm-hmm. not a good idea. Certain types of breath exercises and breath retention techniques, I feel like I'd be remiss in my duties if I didn't mention this. Certain types of breath techniques, they can give you the ability to control physiological processes that are not normally under your control. Sure. Like to actually have control over your heartbeat, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you shouldn't take on uh, a practice like that without some mindfulness about, uh, you know, am I learning this properly? Am I applying wisdom? Do I really know that this particular breath exercise is right for me? Mm-hmm. Or did it just sound cool? I liked what I heard about it and I want to do it. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. Sometimes it sounds cool and it might be an instruction you might read in a book somewhere doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right thing for you. Yeah. Like I could see a really cool lawnmower and then realize, wait a minute, I don't have a lawn. So I don't need that lawnmower. Or what you you mentioned in the previous episode about ginseng. Oh yeah. It's not for everyone. There are conditions under which you don't want to take ginseng in spite of the fact that there are wonderful stories about, uh, it it has a longevity herb and, and how it can strengthen your virility and strengthen Mm. your power and Mm -hmm. you know, all this kinds of stuff, uh, lengthen your life. But it could imbalance you yeah. if you if you take it and it's not right for you. So with breathing exercises, um, there needs to be maturity, clarity, calmness, uh, you know, sanity when you mm-hmm. go into it. It's not about pushing. Yeah. You don't want to push your body. It's more about gently coaxing your body. Yeah. And it's also about um, checking in with yourself on the data you're getting. Yeah. You know, and you, you using a, a feedback approach. You're like, am I on the right track? Is this working for me still? For okay, sure. Good. Do I need to check anything? Do I need to learn something new? Do I need to ask somebody? One of the reasons why I didn't uh, do my breathing this morning, mm. uh, the, the Wim Hof breathing specifically, is because I got no sleep. And I, and I always feel like I'm, it feels a little bit like I'm harming myself when I force myself to do breath work and I haven't had enough sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I think in cases like that, it's more about getting more rest Yeah, and making sure that I get a little, maybe a nap that day, or I do some nourishing things and don't push it too hard mm-hmm. because heart rate variability is like, um, a condition that they begin to see when it's higher, when you have a, a higher heart rate variability, your, your ability to handle stress and mm-hmm. to be resilient goes up. Yeah. And when it's lower, it doesn't. And there's a greater risk of health problems when you have a low heart rate variability, HRV. So mm-hmm. anyone should look that up. It's, yeah. it's pretty pretty helpful yeah. to know about that. And you can improve your HRV through not pushing it on the days when you shouldn't, pushing it on the days when you should. Yeah, 
Yeah. Go ahead and challenge your system on those days, but not on the days when your HRV is low. Okay. If you yeah. haven't had good sleep, good quality sleep, not just length of time, but quality of sleep, like we mentioned mm -hmm. in the previous uh, recording with David, um, that's so important. Yeah. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. And, and you know, I just want to point out that we just did, you know, Carlos just did an entire episode on enhancing cognitive abilities with almost no sleep last night. Yeah. So this stuff works. It does. This stuff works. Yeah. It does. Um, well, um, you know, I think there's plenty of uh, strategies, not not just tips and tricks for people, but but things to incorporate into one's life. Mm -hmm. And uh, some, you know, from the the last episode on on nootropics, and this episode on these more like body based and like mind based strategies mm -hmm. for enhancing cognitive ability. Mm -hmm. um, lot of things to practice. I would encourage people to go back and even write them down. Yeah. Make a list, you know, um, speaking of cognitive abilities, categorize them, decide which ones you think resonate with you, decide which ones you want to start trying out first. Mm -hmm. um, pay attention, uh, see what you like, what do you want to keep using, what do you want to modify? And if you have any questions, the Authenticity Show likes emails. We do. We, we love those. We would love to get awesome questions about this stuff and then answer them. Emails so. and comments on the videos. Yeah, we love it. Happy to happy to get into that stuff with people. So, um, all right. I think uh, I think we've done another episode here. High five, Satch. All right, my man. Very good. You've been listening to the Authenticity Show with your hosts Carlos Casanos and Satch Purcell. My name is Oliver Alti, and I produce the show. I also wrote our theme song, which you're listening to right now. Please subscribe to The Authenticity Show if you haven't already done so wherever you get your podcasts and connect with us on social media. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and check out our YouTube page. And you can find our website at AuthenticityShow.com. Thanks for listening and have an authentic day.